Good morning and uh, welcome again. Whether you are in person with us this morning or if you are online, I want to welcome you to worship. And uh, if this is your first time here or maybe your first time in a long time again, uh, maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online. Maybe you saw us on uh, somebody's news feed or, or however you are watching this morning. If you're here for the first time, I want to extend a special Welcome. We are so glad that you are here. Um, again, my name is Andy Nelms, and I am uh, the associate pastor here at uh, Lover's Lane and um, the pastor here at Thrive. And I am so blessed and privileged to get to be with you this morning as we are uh, concluding a, um, a sermon series on um, salty people. Uh, this has been just a really fun uh, series we've been talking to for the last couple of weeks as we talk about, you know, there are sometimes like difficult people in our lives that we describe as salty. You know, um, you maybe have that neighbor, have that coworker, maybe even it's your family member. And, and here's a tip, if you don't, if you can't think of that person, Maybe you're that person, okay? That's um, just maybe some self-reflection. But anyways, um, you know, all of us have like difficult people in our lives. And, and we've been learning about how to address that kind of conflict in, in a really healthy and, and really truly spiritual way. I think it's really really important. Last week we talked about how to deal with difficult people in church, within the Christian community, about how to do that. And, and, and I think that that is very, very important. And if you missed that, you can watch it online. And this week we talk about how to, how to deal with conflict in the world. How to deal with conflict in the world. You know, conflict is not the thing um, that many of us like wake up in the morning excited about. You know what I mean? Like not many of us like wake up and you're just like, oh man, I, I hope I really get to deal with some conflict today. You know, like I, I hope I really get to resolve some conflict. I hope I really, you know, I hope I really get to address that today. Uh, you know, most of us have this kind of like unhealthy relationship with conflict. And, and, and what that has caused really is this problem of civility in our world, this problem of like being civil. And, and really that's kind of the highlight of the problem this morning is that we have a civility problem. We, we seem to like not possess the ability to be civil with one another. Uh, and, and in fact, a recent study um, found that 95% of Americans think that we have an incivility epidemic. Listen to that, right? 95, like every, most everybody you talk to, and, and you, you kind of wonder, like, what are those 5% doing? You know what I mean? But, but, but like, we have, like, 95% of America thinks that we have an incivility, that, that, that everybody is uncivil with one another, and they called it, friends, an epidemic. And I think that, honestly, is, is accurate. And most of us would, would say that that's accurate. And, you know, we see this on social media, you know, we see how easy it is to just be completely uncivil to each other behind this like this kind of like faux anonymity, right? This like kind of this kind of fake ability to, to not be in person. And, and and we see that whenever that happens, whenever we have this kind of social media accounts, people just kind of let fly or we let fly like whatever you know we want, whatever is just like on the tip of our brain, we have this, you know, tendency to want to say. And, and we allow these comments to happen. And sometimes we even blame other people for our uncivil comments or posts. Right? You know, we, we, we write this only because they posted it first. 
right? I had to comment because they wrote this. Can you believe it? You know, sometimes we're, we're uncivil in, in text messages. You know, we, we learn how, like, easy it is to, to be snippy or to be short with somebody in a text message. You ever received, the, the, like, the dreaded text message? You know, the, the dreaded text message is the letter K, period. Oh, man, does that just, like, cut at your heart? Anybody else? Like, do you just feel like this, like, looming sense of dread whenever you get that message? Like, how could they write that? You know what I mean? Like, we, we have this incivility problem, and, and then, again, we, we blame somebody else, and when we get this, like, dreaded text message, we respond with something equally offensive, you know? Uh, you know, like, like, letter Y, question mark. You know, just something, just like, whatever it is, we, we are uncivil. We see this happen, especially on, on news media, Right on, on cable news or however we consume our, our news, we, we see these, these sides that have become so polarized to appeal to some kind, of, some kind of base on either side of the political aisle. Right, And they become so polarized that now they have to villainize the other side. And what we've done is we've created political news that can never become moderate. Right? We've created political news that can never become centrist because they've created bases that are so extreme that what they really are moving is further and further toward the fringes. And we see this incivility problem, this epidemic. We see it whenever we see somebody or meet somebody else with differing viewpoints. And we and we think to ourselves, you know, at least I'm not as bad as them. Right? We do that, that awful thing of comparison. Where we say, you may, you may think I'm bad, but, but really I'm not as bad as these people with, with these awful different viewpoints. The sensibility epidemic has caused us to polarize each other. And has caused us to blame other people for our actions. My hope, my prayer is that we would seek to address this civility problem in our nation and that we would know, that we would be reminded of, of this truth, that the only people we can control is ourselves. All right, and this may seem like basic kind of, you know, kindergarten stuff here, but I think we need to remember it, that the only people we can control is ourselves. So many times our anxiety gets spun out of control when we think about somebody else who is doing something that we have no control over, and then we react to it, right? We react with like this kind of like equally uncivil language, but, but, but we need to be reminded that the only people we can control is ourselves, so when we're commenting on social media, when we're writing in a text message, when we're watching news coverage, when we're doing whatever it is we're doing, we need to be reminded of the fact that the only people we can control is ourselves. So my hope and my prayer is that we would take control of ourselves. That we would become civil people. Because I absolutely agree with Miss Jennifer who shared a, a great word this morning with our children. I, I absolutely agree that what we need is people not who are just loving people who love them. But people who are even loving their enemies. Because I believe that is what will change the world. Civility is going to come from people who live 
with a bigger goal in mind than just what is on this earth. And, and if you're here this morning uh, in person, if you're watching online and you're not quite sure what you believe, you know, maybe you, you don't know what you believe about God or Jesus or, or, or whatever the case, I am so glad that you are here and I want to encourage you just to practice this this week and, and try it on for yourself and, and see if it makes a difference in your life because I believe that civility is going to come from people who are not just living for what this world has to offer. But civility, the, the peace is going to come from people who live with this bigger picture in mind. And so this morning we are, are going to learn from the book of Romans. The book of Romans. Now, um, the book of Romans is written um, by Paul, who was an apostle of Jesus. And, and Paul writes to this church in Rome. And, and, and the church in Rome has experienced some incivility, right? They, they have experienced some persecution. They, they have experienced all these different things because they are followers of Jesus, right? They, they have people ridicule them. They have people ostracize them. They have people who, who make fun of them in the public square for their beliefs, who, who question what they're doing, who, who cut off relationships with them, all because they are followers of Jesus. And Paul talks about how to deal with this in the church, Right, Paul is directly addressing the thing that we're talking about, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with difficult people who are not a part of your faith community, who are out in the world. Paul talks about how to deal with that, and we're going to be in Romans 12. If you have your Bible with you, if you're at home, I, I encourage you to use it. If you have your Bible with you or on your phone or however you engage with the Bible this morning, I encourage you to do that. We're going to be in Romans 12 this morning. We're going to start in verse 14. Paul begins with these words. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Man, that, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Paul said exactly what Miss Jennifer shared with us this morning, that, that, that followers of Jesus, they're going to stand out in this world. We are not only talking about salty people who are difficult, we are also being reminded of the fact that Jesus called his followers salt. He said, if you're going to be my followers, you are going to stand out in this world the way salt stands out in the food. And if we're going to do that, if followers of Jesus are going to stand out, then they are going to be people who don't just look at an enemy and curse them, but are going to be people who look at their enemies and seek to actively bless them. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, that, that, said these words. He said in Matthew 5, 46 through 48, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Do not even tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. Be perfect, Jesus says, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus says, look, followers of mine... If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you just love people who love you, then, then what difference are you actually making in this world? But followers of Jesus, if they're going to stand out like salt in the world, if they're going to actually change the world in the way in which Jesus said we could, then we are going to love those who even hate us. We are going to bless those who seek to curse us. We are going to look at somebody and say, you may have different ideas than me. You may be at somebody within your work and you may think, you know what, they're constantly trying to backstab me. They're constantly trying to torpedo me. You may look at somebody who has a different political view and you may say, you know what, they're, they're actively seeking to destroy this country. They're actually seeking to destroy my ideals. You may have a neighbor that you just can't get along with, a family member that is just has such opposing views from you. 
Whatever the case, Jesus says, when you come in contact with that person, look for ways to bless them. And in so doing, you will be like salt in this earth. Paul continues in his letter to the Romans as they are in this church in which they are actively being persecuted by their faith. And Paul says, look, if you want to do something different in this world, do this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. We're in Romans 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Man, I love that word about do not claim to be wiser than you are. Here's the relief this morning, friends. We don't have to pretend to be smarter than we actually are. Amen? Okay, let's try that again. We don't have to claim to be smarter than we actually are. Amen? Amen. That means when you're in a conversation with a friend and they use a word that you don't understand. I know this has happened to you. Right? If you're at home this morning, I I know that this has happened. When you've been talking with a friend and they use that word and you're like, I have no idea what that means. And there's that awkward silence for like two seconds where you think, am I going to ask what that means or am I just going to pretend? You know what I mean? Am I just going to pretend? And, and, and why do we do that? Because we feel like we have to claim to be smarter than we actually are. Friends, if we are confident in our identity as a child of God, we don't have to claim to be smarter than we actually are. When a friend asks for advice, and we're talking with a friend who is, who is going through a divorce, who is struggling with their job, who, who is going through something that is very, very difficult, and they say, what should we do? And we have that, that silence that happens in our mind that says, I have no idea what to tell this person. Friends, we don't have to claim to be wiser than we actually are. The worst thing we could do is tell that person bad advice. Say, you know what, I, I don't know. Maybe you ought to talk to a, a licensed professional counselor. Maybe you, you ought to talk to a, to a mentor, somebody who has gone through this same thing. Why, friends? Because we don't have to be wiser than we actually are. We don't have to be haughty. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to put on airs. We can just be who we have been created to be as a child of God. Paul says, don't don't try to be wiser than you actually are. Paul continues these words in, in Romans 12, verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Don't repay evil for evil. We've created this transaction, sometime in our homes, sometimes with our spouse, sometimes with our friends, sometimes with our coworkers, where if they have done something to us, we are going to seek to do something similar to them. If they're kind to us, we're going to be kind to them. But if they're not kind to us, then, then we are going to work to do that exact same things, and we've been taught somehow that that's fair. Paul says, look, if you're going to live in this world, if you're going to be like salt, if you're going to be followers of Jesus, then, then when we receive evil, when we receive rejection, when we receive something like that, we are not going to repay it equally. But we are going to respond with love and with grace. And Paul says this, so far as it depends... <coughs> So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. What does that mean? Paul says, look, 
everything you have control over yourself, control that and live peaceably with others. Focus on what you can control, not on what you can't. Let me say that again. Focus on what you can control, not on what you can't. You are the only person that you can control. And and so if we are going to live peaceably with all, it's not going to be from hoping that somebody else is going to change their action, change their behavior, change their attitude. It's not going to happen just because we, we hope and we expect and we say, you know what, I'm going to be nice whenever that person is nice, and in so doing, I'm going to live peaceably with all. Paul says, no. When it starts with you, control what you can control. Extend the olive branch. Say, I'm sorry. Do the thing. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Control the thing that you can only control yourself and do that. Live peaceably with all. Paul continues again in Romans 12, verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Now, every once in a while, Paul will write something that makes me uncomfortable. And this is that, right? Let's just call a spade a spade and say, sometimes we come across stuff in the scripture that, that I wish Paul wouldn't say. You know, that that I wish wasn't written in the Bible, and this is one of those things. But here's what I think Paul is saying. He says, look, whenever you're consumed with vengeance, when you're consumed with repaying evil for evil, when, when your mind is caught up in how to get back at that person, you are not living into the ideal that Christ has for us. Paul is saying, let God worry about that. Paul says, look, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. I remember as a kid, one of the, um, one of the new shows that was, um, one of the new reality shows that was on TV was Survivor. You guys remember when like Survivor like first came out and, and, and people were just wrapped up in it. And, and I was one of those people, my mom and I, we, we would watch it together. It was just, it was incredible. And I remember one of the, one of the finales, you know, they had the two final contestants of Survivor up there. And, 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 and this was really early on in the show. They had the, the final contestants and they had, they like paraded everybody from that season in front of these people to have them respond to those final contestants to, you know, like uh, say what kind of their final thoughts to them. And there was one person, she felt like she had really been backstabbed by one of the final contestants. And, and she looked at her and, and she, she said, she, she looked at her on, on national television. And she said, if I ever come across you and you're dying of thirst, I will not give you a drink. National television, she's here in front of all of these people. She says, if, you are, if I find you and, and you are dying of hunger, I will not give you anything to eat. Because she had been betrayed by this person on a television show. Granted, they, they were all fighting for a million dollars, but is it really worth it? Is your pride worth that much? We may watch that and ridicule that. 
We may look down our noses at people who do that, but, but we make subtle comments in our minds. We make subtle gestures in our everyday lives to those people that we consider our enemies every day, friends. Jesus says, you, Paul says, you may never be in a life-saving situation with somebody you consider your enemy. But you can send a kind word to that person. You can respond to them when they reach out. You can acknowledge them when they walk into the room. Don't be consumed with this idea that we have to overcome evil with evil. Paul concludes this, and he says this in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says this world, if it's going to change, it's not because somebody keeps repaying back other people what they have given them. Yes, this world is unfair. Yes, things have happened in your past that, that were not fair, that were not just, that were not right. Yes, somebody said something to you that hurt your feelings, and they did not apologize. Yes, that happened. But do not be overcome by evil, but overcome that evil with good. Paul says, do this. Notice what he doesn't say, right? He, he doesn't say overcome evil with good unless you don't want to, right? Un unless you just don't like, feel like it today. Un unless you haven't had a nap and you're just feeling cranky, right? No, Paul says overcome evil with good. How do we deal with difficult people in the world? How do we deal with difficult people at work? How do we deal with difficult people in our family, our, in our neighborhood, uh, online, wherever it is? How do we deal with difficult people, friends? We bless them. That's it. We bless them. I'm going to encourage you to do these two things. Consider this just practice, maybe for this week. Again, if you, if you don't know what you believe, I encourage you just to practice this. If you've been a, a faithful Christian your entire life, I encourage you to practice this. First thing is this, to do something kind for someone you consider an enemy. Do something kind for someone you consider an enemy. Maybe if they're at work, buy them a cup of coffee. Send them just an encouraging note or a letter. If you have somebody in your family, maybe a neighbor, whoever it is, I encourage you to do something encouraging for them. Bless them. Do something kind for them. And because you consider them an enemy, pray for them. Pray for them. Not, not that God would change them. <coughs> right? So many times we want to we want to pray that, that God will do something miraculous in their life to change their behavior, to change their mind. Pray for them. Not that God would change their mind, but that God would change yours. That God would break your heart of stone. Pray for them and then tell them that you prayed for them. And watch 
how their countenance, how their stance, how their posture, how their face, and their demeanor, how their body will change. Hey, you know, I know we haven't gotten along in the past. I, I, I know we've, we've had our missteps, but I just want you to know I've been, I've been praying for you this week. I know you had a, a doctor's appointment early on this week, and, and I don't need to know what it's about. I just want you to know I, I, I prayed for you during that appointment. Hey, you know, I, I, I know that you, you lost your pet, and, 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 and I know that you've been putting up flyers around the neighborhood, and I want you to know we've been, we've been keeping our eye out, and, and I've been praying with you for that pet. I know how hard that is. Do something kind for someone you consider an enemy. And here's the second thing I, I hope that we will do for the rest of our lives, friends. Here, here's just good advice for us. When in doubt, don't do it. All right? When in doubt, don't do it. When it comes to commenting, when it comes to writing, when it, when it comes to especially online, when, it come, when in doubt, don't do it. I, I saw a meme that said this, and I think it's exactly right. Dance like no one is watching. But text, email, comment, tweet, post, like your mother will read it. All right, friends? Man, can you imagine your mom reading some of your messages to somebody else? The comment that you wrote about other people online? I think our world would be a little better if we lived by this. Again, don't complain about the other people who don't live by this code. But be an example. Live by this in the world. Friends, this world is not going to change by people who simply love others who love them back. But the world will change when the followers of Jesus, people who claim to be Christian, literally little Christ living out in the world, that we are people who are charged with bringing the kingdom of God where, where what God wants done is done. We believe that heaven can be like this on earth. This world will change whenever followers of Jesus love others, even those who don't love them back. Let us pray. God, you have called each and every one of us. We matter to you, and God, sometimes we aren't sure why. God, you, you have placed a call on our life, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we, have, whether we have, have said it or not, whether we have pointed to it or not, God, there is this voice in the back of our head saying that I am called. Maybe it is to, to a ministry of a, of a life of a, as a pastor. Maybe it's a ministry of, of life in my office. Maybe it's a ministry of a teacher. Maybe it's the ministry in God of a parent. May, maybe it's the ministry of a loved one, a caregiver. God, we have been called by you, and sometimes we aren't sure why. I pray that you would bless us now by the power of your Holy Spirit, wherever we are, God, whether we are at home or online, whether we're washing dishes, God, whether we're, we're, whatever we're doing this morning, God, I pray that we would sense the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, that, that we would have the strength and the courage to, to bless those who have not blessed us. 
that we would have the strength and the courage to love those who, who have not loved us. God, and that we would develop a discipline of self-control. That we would not be a people who react, God, with just our emotion on our sleeve, but that we would be people who respond to a hurting world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who came and lived and taught us even how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.